The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. Well, and greetings, everyone. Thanks for being here now. Yeah. <laughs> you are tuned to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and where we invite you to awaken to your inner divinity. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. And today, we are going to be focusing on self-interest. That's right. You know, to be more precise, we are taking aim at enlightened self-interest. Now, that enlightened part makes all the difference, doesn't it, Tom? Well, yeah, it sure does. You know, the former has a higher goal as its basis, whereas the latter is just, well, selfish. And <laughs> our goal today is to make this very important distinction as clear as possible. Yeah, as clear as possible. Of course, like any life lesson, there's what seems an obvious surface element, which upon reflection opens the door to many other deeper considerations. Well, let's start with the obvious. Good idea. <laughs> if we want to stay healthy and prosper, we have to take care of ourselves, to have goals, to look after our families and resources. Now, this is a fairly obvious level of prudent self-interest. Sure. And at the same time, if we focus too much on our own happiness and well-being, we could easily overlook our Christian and moral responsibility to be our brother's keeper. So, there would seem to be a need for balance of some kind, mm -hmm. where, for example, does our own self-serving focus give way to a focus on serving others or on serving a higher goal? Yeah, and that's a real easy question with no real easy answer. And while you're right to put it in the context of balance, there is that higher context to consider. Now, you're talking about understanding what should really motivate our, self, our service to self and others. Yes. What it is that should be the real driving force behind the decisions we make. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. When we know why we're here, and I'm talking about awakening to our innate divine potential and achieving our ascension, then we can measure our service to ourselves and to others in relation to how it helps us to achieve our goals. Uh, so we must recognize that every action, whether self-focused or not, has a consequence. Oh, yeah. And it would be in our own enlightened self-interest to have, as the foundation of our actions, a worthy goal. Yes, one rooted in, um, shall we say, a divine rather than a human awareness. Yeah, so that, the, so that the consequence we aspire to achieve is something that propels us forward and upward. Yeah, you know, way back in 1964, Mark Prophet made this point to his audience during one of his legendary Sunday sermons. He said, and I quote, It is understandable that we think in terms of relieving our personal stress and strain. For, after all, if we don't have enlightened self-interest enough to care for our own physical body and environment, we will not be able to care for others, unquote. A simple enough point. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, 
God has given us balance that we might understand the great cross of life, that we can understand that it has two arms stretched outward from its center, and that it has two arms one going down to assist and one going up to the source. Mm -hmm. Now, the cross is a mighty uh, example and symbol of spiritual power when properly understood. You see, it shows us that we are oriented around the personal, the personal self mm-hmm. and we are also oriented spiritually or polarized around our divine self. Yeah, and he concluded his remarks by saying this, quote, The trouble with most of us is that we spend too much time down in the personal consciousness and not enough time polarized up in the higher consciousness, unquote. This goes back to what you were saying earlier, Terry, about the need for balance. Yeah, finding the right balance between our personal human experience and our divine reality is the key. Well, remember we said it at the outset of today's program that an idea like this, balancing the interests of our lower selves with our higher self, has a fairly obvious level of meaning. And then upon further reflection, reveals deeper layers. Well, here comes one of those deeper layers now. When is selfishness just plain selfish? (laughs) And when is it enlightened self-interest? Bingo. And perhaps the best way to answer this question would be to put it in an ascended master context. What would the ascended masters do? Yeah, precisely. You see, every ascended master has a flame of enlightened self-interest. Every ascended master must be interested in furthering the God self, the consciousness of God, the real self. And and if we, I should say, if we do not affirm our real self and the attainment of the real self, who will? <laughs> will anyone outside of you champion your light? You have to champion your light. This is enlightened self-interest. You got it. Now, in this regard, we come to a sensitive subject, saying no. Now, that is really, yeah. This can be a touchy one for sure. <laughs> what if a friend or family member wants you to do something that you know runs counter to your divine plan? Yeah, you know, like um, joining them in a seemingly innocent event, say a party that might involve drinking alcohol or perhaps even the casual use of recreational drugs or perhaps being exposed to heavy metal rock music that you know would bear down like a heavy negative weight on your soul. That can be tough when you know (laughs) that the best response is to decline the invitation, but your friends and family might take your no personally and feel that you are rejecting them. Yeah, and the fact is, following a God-focused lifestyle and avoiding all those things that have the potential to drag you down is not likely to win you a popularity contest. (laughs) No, but it will help you win your ascension. Yeah, consider the options there. Yeah. So we're back to understanding the importance of knowing where we're going and what it's going to take us to get there. In other words, we've got to know what's most important and not sacrifice it just to be liked or to make or not make waves. Enlightened self-interest. Yeah, very circular, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> Cause and effect taken to the highest and most personally important level. Now, please believe us when we say that we, <laughs> we know how hard this can be to practice in everyday life. <laughs> Everyone likes having friends and basking in the warmth of those who love them. Yeah, you know, sure, it's human nature. But here's something to always keep in mind when you're faced with a tough decision that may have far-reaching consequences in your social or family life. The ascended masters have been there. Turn to the ascended masters for guidance, clarity, and even real meaningful companionship. Between the ascended masters and the angels, starting with your own guardian seraph, you've got real dependable friends in high places, and they will never let you down. And they will never do anything that does not support or advance the pathway to your ascension. What's more, and this goes back to what we always say about the fact that our goal, your goal, is to awaken to the divine light within. We each have a personalized manifestation of God within us, our I am presence. 
Well, indeed we do, and we each have a Christ self who is our friend, guide, mentor, teacher, and mediator between our human and divine selves. And it is to your real self and all the saints, masters, angels, and elementals who support it that you can turn whenever the need arises. Got a tough decision to make? Ask your higher self for answers. Ask the masters. Ask the angels. You'll soon discover that you've got the greatest friends and supporters anyone could ever have, and they are always there awaiting your command. Imagine that. Yeah. You can (laughs) even ask them to help you discern between human self-interest and enlightened self-interest. There you go. And the more you train yourself to engage these divine helpers, the clearer and more precise will be the guidance you receive. Okay, now we're creeping up on our first break, but before we get there, there's another area of the concept of selfishness that we should clarify. You may be very selfless when it comes to yourself, but you might be in a situation where you're doting on someone else's personal self. In other words, you might be in a situation where someone's human self takes precedence over your own Christ or higher self. And this is never a good trade-off. Because replacing a primary focus on your Christ self with a worldly focus on someone else's human self only postpones (laughs) the fulfillment of your spiritual journey, your ascension. You know, and we're not talking about people who serve others through caregiving and healing. This has more to do with our personal psychology and how we go about working out our human kinks and foibles. Kinks and foibles. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It sounds like a law firm for elves, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, it does, or or a board game maybe. But enough of that. The point to be made here is goes back to the idea that we must be champions of our life. We are of our light, I should say. Both. We can't. (laughs) That's right. We can't expect anyone else to do it. So it is in our own enlightened self-interest that we guard and cherish our light to the fullest extent we can. Yeah, and keep our eyes on the prize. Reunion with the heart of God through the ascension. Yes, and we know that we're we're only scratching the surface of this topic with what we've shared so far. I'm sure that there are many of you with questions about the karmic consequences of self-interest, for example, or what we can do every day to strengthen our awareness of those things that are in our best interest to pursue. And we've got our friend Sidney Bennett joining us in a few minutes. So we'll save some of these questions for him. Well, that sounds good. You know, um, before we go any further here, we've got a break coming up in a couple of minutes. I just want to let everybody know, since this is the holiday season, mm-hmm. that uh, we have a new series of books called The Gardens of the Heart. Oh, yeah. And this is Wisdom for Living and Growing. And this is a great way to um, give your uh, inner self, your higher self, a little bit of a boost. You know, it's good uh-huh. wisdom. Good um, and this is, you know, when life calls for words of wisdom, comforting thoughts, or simply a brief time out from the everyday stress and strain of living, you can spend a moment in the garden. And this new series, Gardens of the Heart, offers instant refuge from life's ups and downs. These are portable, practical, and easy to read. And each Garden of the Heart pocketbook is a mini treasury of deep thought and abiding wisdom, perfect for whenever we need to stop and take a moment to reflect on, collect, and balance our energies. And whether you this is something you can have for yourself or for a loved one, they're a perfect companion. You can stick it in your pocket. and They're always available for instantly tapping the wisdom of the heart, and lifting the spirit. Very good. Yeah. Okay, well, we've got to take a short break right now, but when we return, we will hear a portion of a lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the nature of enlightened self-interest and human selfishness and how you can learn to always tell the difference. Don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. 
Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And yes, we are back. And before the break, I mentioned our new series, Gardens of the Heart, and I did forget to mention two important things. One is that Gardens of the Heart is four books, Uh Compassion, Forgiveness, Joy, and Abundance, and they are available on Google, Gardens of the Heart, that's published by the Summit University Press, and we also have those available in ebook form and in Spanish. Oh, great. Yeah, so just everybody, if you want to look that up as a good little gift to yourself or to a loved one or friend, uh, Gardens of the Heart. Great. Okay, now, when is self-interest enlightened, and when is it merely selfish? Here is Elizabeth Clare Prophet sharing her thoughts on how to know which is which and why we need to keep our focus on our higher selves. The desire for self-betterment and the desire for selfishness. The term the masters use is enlightened self-interest. Every ascended master has the flame of enlightened self-interest. Every ascended master must be interested in furthering the God self, the God consciousness, the real self. If we do not affirm the real self and the attainment of the real self, who will? Will anyone outside of you champion your light? You have to champion it. This is enlightened self-interest. This means you don't let people walk all over you. You don't let people take from you that which they ought to earn themselves. This means that you further your education. You further your God mastery. Look at the proportion of Jesus' life. You might call it selfishness. 30 years in self-preparation, 3 years in service. Selfishness? No. Enlightened self-interest? Yes. He came for the salvation of a planet and a people. He knew whereof he spoke, whereof he came. It is self-indulgence to embark upon a mission ill-prepared. It is the height of egotism to think oneself prepared when one has not divested oneself of human creation. 
So when is selfishness selfishness? And when is it enlightened self-interest? The line is the Christ consciousness. Things that you do before you attain the Christ consciousness may be selfish. You may do the very same things after you attain the Christ consciousness, and they are not selfish at all. They are enlightened self-interest. For instance, when you are on the path and increasing your light, you need to take care to guard that light. You need an apartment or a room or a house that is your own. It is the height of selfishness to share that home or that apartment with one who is not on the path, with one who is involved in darkness and uncommitted. It is selfish because it deprives the Christ in you of expansion and of fulfillment. It is self-indulgence because you are indulging that self that you have allowed to come in, the camel that you have allowed to enter your tent, who will soon put out the Christ consciousness. You cannot have fellowship with the fallen ones. I told one of the groups that I lecture to, third level, first level, or the staff, about the boy who called me, who wondered why virtue had gone out of him. He felt that I had given him a certain blessing in the third eye when he was at Summit University, and he felt it leave him. So I began questioning him about his circumstances, and then he finally told me he was living with two boys who felt that they were uh, cohorts of the devil, and even dressed up as the devil and so forth. Is this kindness? Is it compassion? Who is it compassion to? You deny the Christ and the individuals themselves because you can't help them while you're living in, your, in their aura. I asked him if he was decreeing. Well, he could only decree certain times and not too much because he was living with people who didn't agree with degrees. Well, this is the height of selfishness in the disguise of being some kind of a humanitarian or something. You have to have the enlightened self-interest because nobody but you will champion your real self. Selfishness is centering on any self. It doesn't have to be yourself. It's doting on anybody's self, anybody's outer self, to the exclusion of the Christ. The carnal mind has to be put in its place, wherever it appears. You can find that you're so selfless about yourself, you totally have an absence of self-concern, but you're doting on somebody else's self and on their outer self. This is a problem in psychology. Not enough assertion of your individuality. Well, if you are that way in your outer self, you're likely to be that way with your Christ self. In other words, you're likely to deny your Christ self in favor of someone else's human self doing this in the name of human kindness. And that's exactly what it is. Human kindness at the cost of failing to feed Jesus the Christ. What results is total ignorance of the Christ. You ignore the Christ to take care of someone's human consciousness in a false sense of responsibility. And while entertaining that false sense of responsibility, you neglect your vows and your commitments to the Master's. So we need to analyze the concept of selfishness and enlightened self-interest. You have to be uncompromising, call a spade a spade, and not worry about risking your popularity. 
People are afraid to tell people where they stand because they're afraid that people won't like them. That's the burden of leadership. There are many forms of selfishness and many forms of rationalization for it. So you be on guard because the earth is in the test of the ten, the test of the hierarchy of Scorpio. The solar system is in the test of the ten of Scorpio. And we are. And when you pass that test, you really come up above the mire and you see clearly and you open your eyes and you really have a sense of seeing reality and having perspective. That's what the all-seeing eye gives you is perspective. People see selfishness in their own selfishness, in their own selfish eyes. So when you take the path of enlightened self-interest, you can expect to be persecuted for being selfish. I'd like to point out this individualized self-deprecation as another form of disgusting selfishness. Self-belittlement and self-condemnation is another form of selfishness. It's an excuse to dote upon yourself. It's an excuse to while away the hours, letting energy flow to the ego. It's not a virtue to belittle yourself, to consider yourself worthless. It has no part with enlightened self-interest. It's just one more little side of selfishness. When you come down to it, every line on the clock is selfishness. Some new form of attention-getting of the ego. If you can't get it one way, it gets it another way. Now take the contrast which St. Germain has given in this vision of the angelic hosts gathering around the heart chakra as though birds gathering around a fountain, gathering around the orifice of the release of your light, basking in your light. The angelic hosts adorn and adore the life stream who is releasing light perpetually. You can entertain angels 24 hours a day by surrendering your selfishness. And you can feel the presence of angels. You can hear their garments rustling as they go before you in the world and when you have to face the world. You can feel them when you're flying in a plane or in an automobile. You can feel legions of angels accompanying you when you have selflessness. They are repelled by the slimy selfishness. They do not come near those who have it. That's when people feel alone. When they're feeling sorry for themselves and they feel alone, they are so indulging the saturation of human selfishness that they really are left alone. The elementals and the angels don't want to be around such people. So they keep on perpetuating that state of aloneness. Men and women recognize many times the errors they have made at various stages in their development, but they do not seem to comprehend the fact that their loss of simple innocence is the greatest factor in all, of all in their suffering and pain. The loss of innocence. The loss of the sense of the immaculate. The sense of wonder. Remember childhood, when everything was beautiful, the sky and the stars and the leaves and the flowers, and the face of mother and father, and there was no taint of cynicism from the world. 
how quickly this was torn from us by surroundings, how much more quickly it is torn from children today. The loss of innocence is the loss of the inner sense of the soul. The loss of the soul's attunement with God. Now, with a loss of innocence, the soul is attuned to the outer world, to the psychic, to the television, to the media, to imperfection. Let men and women then understand that it is the power and graciousness of the Holy Spirit that desires to convey to mankind the glory and the highest that is God. The glory in the highest that enables the soul to fly free from the cage of the body and be able to retain yet that bond with the body that keeps the heart of life beating right while the individual is in the highest communion with the powers of light and the radiance of the ascended hosts. Ooh, <laughs> that's a powerful message. Oh, it's a wonderful message. Oh, boy. Well, up next, our weekly Q&A. And today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. Uh, we are joined now by our friend, Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sid. Good morning. Good Hi, afternoon. Sid. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right, wherever you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, self-interest, enlightened and otherwise, is a complicated subject. But we are contending that when we understand what's at stake, our ascension, enlightened self-interest is really mandatory. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think we need to understand that we have a destiny. And it is not selfish to pursue that destiny. Mm -hmm. It's the divine plan. And in order to pursue that, we have to do things to prepare ourselves, to balance our karma, to serve others, whatever we do. And so 
although it's very important to be unselfish because ultimately that is the key to our ascension. <laughs> yeah. In order to be able to give more and do more, we have to prepare ourselves. And so that's where enlightened self-interest comes in. And it's, you know, it takes a little discretion or discernment to understand when is enlightened self-interest and when is it indulgence or selfishness. Right. And, you know, that's something we work at. Well, we, we mentioned earlier in the program that one of the um, yardsticks by which we could apply that might be the degree to which we are in relationship with our Christ self or, or the guardian seraph, you know, whatever that, that, that inner conscience is. Right. You know, I mean… Exactly. We, we want to trust this guide. Indeed. Yeah. 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 And one point we made earlier uh, and hasten to make again here is <laughs> that there are always consequences to our actions. In a word, karma. Uh, are there karmic consequences when we don't practice enlightened self-interest, putting our, our, our higher selves first? Well, well, absolutely there is. And, yeah. and very basically the karma is you don't get closer to God. Yeah. I mean, it's almost an instant karma, if you will. (laughs) But but clearly, you know, lost opportunity is is a very serious karma. And we're we're taught that when souls come to an embodiment and they leave and they do a life review in front of the karmic board, um, very often they're very embarrassed because they have not taken advantage of the opportunity that was given them. So it's important to pursue the truth, pursue God, pursue service to others, but know what you must do to prepare yourself for the path. It's not automatic. Why did Jesus need 30 years to prepare for his mission Mm -hmm. as the Son of God? Because he had to prepare. And so we have to prepare. We have to make ourselves able to give more and do more for people and to be able to hold light. Yeah. which is the key to becoming the Christ. You know, I'm reminded of all the times I've said to myself, oh, I knew that. Yeah. I, I, I knew what I should have done. You didn't do it. You know, yeah, you didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you know, if this isn't too personal, have you ever found yourself in a situation in which you had to choose between, uh, say, what a friend or a family member wanted you to do and what you knew was right from a higher perspective? Well, I think everybody goes through that. And, and, and for me, it really had to do with my work. As, as we mentioned before, I was a banker for longer than I care to mention. <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, it was a situation a lot of times came up where there'd be alcohol and so forth. And I never wanted to drink. I had no desire to drink. And so people at one level were respectful for that, but at another level, oh, come on, be one of the boys, you, you know? Yeah. And what's the matter with you? Think you're so good <laughs> and so on and so forth. And I was careful never to criticize anyone for what they did. But eventually it did get to the point where I said, look, I don't even care what they think about me. This is the way I want to live my life. Right. And that's important that you hold standards. And there probably was some consequences in my career <laughs> because I didn't go hang out at the bars at night with everybody else. Yeah. But you know what? I didn't care. Yeah. So at a certain point, you have to be who you are. And you know what? Ultimately, by being who you are and following your higher self, you are doing a greater service for people around you than you can imagine. Much greater than if you were, quote, one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> one of the boys. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've got a kind of a personal story, too. I was performing in the clubs that you decided not to hang out in anymore. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, that was my career all through yeah. the 60s and, and half of the 70s. And so what I found was that when I got on the spiritual path in the early 70s, um, that I was there were things that I was not doing anymore, little things here and there. And so, you know, I found I I, I wasn't I did I had quit smoking uh, sometime before that, but I didn't want to drink anymore, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to tell any off-color stories. And that usually goes along with entertaining, you know, these little cute stories that get everybody laughing. And so, <laughs> um, eventually, what happened was that I I actually cast myself out of the career because I. I wasn't I, I wasn't interested in performing and doing those things anymore. And so these 
I mean, this was an audience. This was people that were paying to see me. But these were like friends. These were like family. And uh, and I finally made the same decision that I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't so concerned about how they felt, but I wanted to make sure I reconnected with God. And and in my story, the <laughs> nightclubs, in a way, played a role in what I found that I wanted to be able to do later, which was perform and write music about the Ascended Masters and things like that. So I, it was a proving ground, but I eventually had to get out of it. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, How about you, Tom? Well, yeah, I can remember one um, wedding where I was asked to provide the uh, libations. It was my contribution. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, at the, uh, the wedding, uh, with unbeknownst to everybody there, I bought alcohol-free Wine. <laughs> you were popular, I bet. Well, that was strike strike one. The the groom um, was actually a member of a rock band. And they were going to play at the reception, and I just kind of excused myself and I said, "No, thanks. I'll I'll be back later." Mm-hmm. And by the time I got back, the last one was, um, "Well, we're all going to join in the hot tub. You want to come and join us?" So he said, "No, thanks," and I just kind of left. Well, I became known as the 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 quintessential party pooper. Uh-huh. didn't like the wine, didn't like the band, didn't like the hot tub, the activities afterwards. And I realized that these were things that, to me, made a lot of sense to just sort of naturally say, no, no, thank you. I don't want to be exposed to that. I'm not con- condemning anybody else for right. this. I simply said, not me. But the wine was the last straw, really. <laughs> you know, people are complaining because they weren't getting drunk. Yeah. You know, they were, what? <laughs> this this doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything. anything. You know, and it's not, it's, it's obviously nobody wants to take a holier-than-thou attitude. But just a statement about who we are is really the message, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's where, and some people don't like that because they don't want anything that challenges their sense of what is right. Even though at a deep level they may know, you know, this probably isn't a good thing to do. Well, yeah. I did have somebody come up to me afterwards and say, God, the music was terrible and I love that wine you got. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. okay. And eventually, maybe years later, you know, I respect what you did, you know, that sort of thing. That may still come. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah. Uh, Sydney, let me ask you. Is there ever a time or circumstance where going alone is okay, even when it may run counter to your higher? Like going along, you mean, probably. Going along. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Going along. (laughs) We'll see you later. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, run counter to your higher judgment. Well, you know, I think it's – we live in a physical plane. We live in a society that – you know, obviously, there's a lot of things going on in this society that perhaps wouldn't we wouldn't want to pursue from a spiritual point of view. But you know, for instance, I did need a job. Um, you know, <laughs> right. so I didn't want to lose my job at that point. Sure. Um, so you know, you you be balanced, and um, you know, use your discretion. The little things are they really that important? You know, um, but there are things where you do have to take a stand, and that again goes back to discernment. So we don't go around you know telling people they're living wrong or doing wrong things. But we do have to have a standard for ourselves because, you know, it's, it's honoring God. It's the honor of God. You know, in the movie Beckett, um, the king asked uh, Beckett, you know, when did you start loving God? He said, I started to love the honor of God. Yes. And so we must honor God without being judgmental of others in the way we live. And that can be a guide. You know, it's, it's, there's a corollary to this when in Rome, you know, the whole th- idea of when you're in someone's home and they offer you something that it's not only polite to accept it, but it's probably lawful at some level. I know I've been in those situations before. I've had some wine with a family who invited me into their home and that was part of their ritual. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, as the letter of the law killeth, the spirit giveth life. And that was something where I, the, the, the question I had to make in my own mind was, do I follow the letter of the law or do I follow the spirit? And what's the consequence going to be here? And it was one of those things where the peace and the harmony and the warmth of that moment 
was preserved rather than having me cause some disruption to occur there by declining something that was offered, even if it was just a, a small you know, amount. And I think yeah. that there's no set answer for those circumstances. Yeah. You have to use your attunement uh, because there will be circumstances where people will try and entice you. Um, you know, to do things that you know aren't right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it does very definitely take that discernment. You know, I just as an aside here, we all of our stories seem to revolve around alcohol, <laughs> yeah. which is so pervasive in our society. And I yeah. think maybe at some point that might be a good topic for our show because the Ascended Masters do have a lot of very interesting teachings on alcohol. Well, they do indeed. Yeah. And, you know, just as anecdotally, my father uh, was a liquor salesman. You know, for the 40 years, I mean, he sold, you know, so we had the, we had the best stuff. <laughs> anyway, well, what can anyone do to fortify themselves against uh, the negative energies that sometimes come at us? Well, I, this goes back again to the core of our spiritual teachings. It's a world of very difficult energy and things crisscrossing through our auras 24 hours a day. Um, and we're going to be subject to these and victim to them if we don't establish a spiritual force field. And we've talked about this many times, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely core to being on a spiritual path. You need protection because of just what's going on in the world and the assault against anyone that mm-hmm. takes a stand for the light. And, of course, we're not talking necessarily about a physical assault, but a you know the, the dark forces, so to speak, that will send negative energy and vibrations. <clears throat> so that's why we have a, a ritual of invoking a tube of light, which is a mighty aura of light protection that surrounds us um, that will not let anything in except light and love and rejects other things. We call to Archangel Michael every day of our lives for our protection, our safety, and to keep away these energies that we don't want in our worlds. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to be on the spiritual path. It sort of clears our force field. And even though you may live in a big city among very difficult energies, you can be at total peace because you have the light of God around you and the protection of the holy angels. But you can't be on a true spiritual path without doing this because yeah. it's too hard. Yeah. yeah. I will not be moved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, perhaps the, the crux of this whole issue of enlightened self-interest is understanding the, the preciousness of the opportunity we've been given to finally graduate from Earth's rather challenging schoolroom <laughs> and ascend. How rare and important is this opportunity? You know, one of the big challenges we face is perspective. You know, what is our perspective? Well, I've got to make money for my family. I've got to get the car fixed. Mm-hmm. I've got to do this. I want to have a nice home. And You know, that's, that's I mean, they're important things, but let's face mm-hmm. it, somewhat of a narrow perspective. Yeah, linear. We need a spiritual perspective. And when you have the spiritual perspective, it's not just putting God first in your life. And it's also when you understand the teachings of the Ascended Masters, this is not just another lifetime. This is not just another, well, let's see how it goes this time and we'll have another, another go at it in, you know, in a hundred years or whatever. Mm-hmm, right. This is a crucial time in our soul's evolution. And if we can recognize that and understand that, then we will take the actions and take advantage of the opportunity that will afford us the greatest progress because we don't know when this opportunity is going to come again. Mm-hmm. Earth has had dark periods before and we may have another one if there's light is not invoked. So don't think it's business as usual. This is an exceptional lifetime, and you have an exceptional opportunity, but only if you take advantage of it. And that is the message the Ascended Masters have been preaching for 50 years and more. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think that point needs to be made, again, is that we cannot assume that we're going to have another opportunity. No. We have to, we have to just believe that this is the one. Or that will be in an opportunity in another embodiment where we won't have a chance for spiritual progress. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people on this planet that don't have that. Oh. So it's very important that we understand that we have a purpose and a role and a goal in this life. And it's not a coincidence you're hearing this message. 
You know, <laughs> try it. Experiment with it. See what it does for your life. Gain an understanding, and you'll find a greater peace and a greater joy and a greater purpose in your life at many levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at the end of every show, we always say, though the, the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. And we're not trying to be facetious when we say <laughs> no. that. We're really uh, trying to make the point that while our spiritual tests may be tough, they're worth paths, passing because the, the reward for immortality for our souls is so precious and priceless. What can we do to keep this goal clear and ever-present in our minds? Well, we need to be focused, and obviously we need to be in the world and yet not of the world. Mm-hmm. And spiritual practices, study, understanding, using such things as the violet flame, the science of the spoken word through our degrees, will keep your force field intact and keep the opportunity there for you to learn and experience the higher light of your Holy Christ self, your I am presence. And as you practice these things, you know, you will make progress. You will go forward and you'll be able to see things. What happened is the world is so inundated with these astral forces and energies, they can't see anything. It's like they're in a fog. Keep your aura clear, mm-hmm. your psyche clear. You can feel the presence of God and he will lead you and guide you. But you got to do it. It takes work. It's not automatic. Yeah. Right. Well, we've got to take a break here, but don't go away because when we return, we will continue our discussion of enlightened self-interest, immortality, and other light topics with <laughs> Sidney Bennett. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Yes, indeed, we are back uh, for more discussion with Sidney Bennett on the importance of understanding the nature of enlightened self-interest and why it's so important to our souls to keep this focus. Uh, Sidney, in our first segment, we touched on the fact that even even the most selfless and non-self-concerned uh, people 
can be selfish by indulging the selfish human selves of others. <laughs> a lot of selfs. That was a mouthful. Boy, 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 there were. Don't ask me to read that again. Uh, and, you know, Elizabeth Clare Prophet kind of covered that, you know. So it would seem clear that enlightened self-interest would require that we understand our psychology but and, and what motivates us, yes? Absolutely, yeah. because many of us are slaves not only to our karma but to our psychology, which in, in essence is our karma. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so we do things that we wouldn't do otherwise. Um, and that's why the Ascended Masters have always promoted doing inner child work, uh, doing work with a competent um, psychologist or someone that can help you to work mm-hmm. through these issues because we're all subject to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one is excluded. This, just because we're spiritual doesn't mean we don't have psychological blocks and hang-ups. Right. And, and you, then you have the momentum of karma and past relationships. Let me give an example of that. Mrs. Prophet, in one lecture, she talked about uh, uh, President uh, Franklin Roosevelt and Joseph Stalin and their relationship. And she explained that in a previous embodiment on Atlantis that Roosevelt had been Stalin's son. And so he was always trying to please Stalin. And so when he oh. basically gave away Eastern Europe, oh he gosh. was trying, he had an old momentum of pleasing his father from another embodiment. So, you know, if, if we don't take a spiritual stand, if we don't do the practical things like working our psychology and examining things and working with God, we're going to be subject to these things. And many people repeat the same mistakes mm. over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Somehow we have to stop that momentum. And, you know, yeah, I never thought that spiritual people need to do with their psychology, but it's absolutely key because it dictates so much of our behavior. Mm-hmm. Our behavior should be dictated by our Holy Christ self and by God and not by how, what our parents did to us or momentums from other lifetimes or our karma. Mm-hmm. And that's why, again, the spiritual path takes effort. It takes work. But, you know, it mm-hmm. saves you yeah. from so much pain and loss that You'll never regret it. Yeah. You know, it probably goes without saying, and I'm sure this will be one of my typically uh, Captain Obvious moments, <laughs> but it would seem to make sense to me that if you do choose to study your psychology, you're better off having somebody, um, your professional, who believes in karma and reincarnation. Well, it sure helps, <laughs> or at least have a spiritual bent to it. I know when I did my work, um, the lady was very spiritual, and maybe she didn't believe in karma and reincarnation, but she respected that was my perspective. Mm-hmm. And so that was very important. Well, just in terms of the history of certain things that we have that we brought in with us, sure. I mean, it would be helpful to say, oh, I don't think I had this this time around, but yeah, maybe last time I kind of had a Well, you didn't issue. just work through this lifetime's problems. That's a, that's a lot of <laughs> that's progress. That's probably enough. I know, but don't bite off more than we can chew. Well, yeah. is there a way that giving ourselves entirely to others can be the height of enlightened self-interest? I'm thinking of like, you know, like Mother Teresa, people like that. Well, here's the irony of it or, or whatever, the Zen nature of it. I don't think Mother Teresa thought that she had better do things for herself so she can make spiritual progress. Right. <laughs> you know, she was so filled with love for God and for others. That was her motivation. And yet that unselfishness was enlightened self-interest. She mm-hmm. would never characterize as that. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's not important that she would anyway. Yeah. But we can see that even though we have enlightened self-interest, the key to our spiritual path and progress is unselfishness. It's knowing when to do the one and not the other. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is minimizing ourselves in some way humble or an example of self selfishness? Well, Mrs. Prophet was pretty clear about self-condemnation mm-hmm. and how <laughs> deadly and dangerous it is. Yeah. Because when you condemn yourself, you are condemning God within you. 
<laughs> and that is not a good thing because it no. separates you from God. And it's, as she mentioned, it separates you from the angels. So what do you do? You make a mistake, okay? And you see, this is not good. I shouldn't have done this. So you have remorse. You ask for forgiveness. Do the very best you can to balance the karma that that mis- mistake entailed. But you never get under self-condemnation because this is what the fallen angels would like you to do. You're a worthless sinner. You're mm-hmm. no good. You're not good enough to be on the spiritual path. Yeah. That's a lie yeah. because God is within you. And because God is within you, you are worthy to be on the spiritual path. That doesn't excuse you from mistakes or errors. You're accountable for them. You have to take them seriously. You have to repent of these things, but never, ever condemn yourself for them because it's a cop-out. You know, it's an excuse for not doing better. Oh, I'm poor me. I can't, you know, this is just the way I am, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lie. Well, using discouragement is one of their primary tools anyway. It is. And you know what? (laughs) <laughs> We're human beings. We all get discouraged from time to time. Yeah. But champion your God within you and champion the fact that you are on a spiritual path. And hard things come to even those on spiritual paths. And you've got to work through them. You've got to summon the strength, ask for God for help, and you can overcome this. So this idea we're all worthless sinners you know, is a plot spawned in hell, literally, <laughs> yeah, to right. keep us from taking a stand for who we are and honoring the God within and increment by increment, putting on our Christ consciousness, which is the key to our path and to our ascension. Well, and th- this is kind of a, coming at the same subject, perhaps from an oblique angle, but um, we know that the human self is small relative to our higher self, but it's what we have to work with as we, as a, you know, we make our way home to God. How do we keep this in perspective without falling victim to either false humility or justifying any pious egocentricity? I know, big word. <laughs> well, it's the path. Let's put it that <laughs> way. It that, I yeah. mean, think of your human. Con- I knew that. <laughs> think, of, think of your human consciousness as the car that's going to get you where you yeah. want to go. You got to have it, okay? Yeah. But yeah. you don't want to. The car is not going to get you to God, okay? right? So you, you know, can't we, take it with you. <laughs> we are humble before God, but he, true humility is not passivity. Yeah. We know need to know when to be bold mm-hmm. in the Lord. And we need to know when to be humble. I mean, the ascended masters are incredibly humble beings. But do they know who they are in God? And so that's what we need to do. We need to be incredibly humble beings, but we need to allow God to act through us when it's appropriate. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and it may not look like humility to others, but it is God acting through us. And we are the servants of God within us. And that is humble mm-hmm. before our God. We bend the knee before our God within, before our holy Christ selves. Mm-hmm. And we are obedient and loving and caring for others and obedient to God within. Yep. Well, staying on this topic, many of us have been taught, as you previously have mentioned, that we're worthless sinners and we must abase ourselves before God to atone. We've even been subjected to the concept of original sin Ooh. to drive our innate worthlessness home. And there again, you've, you've already touched on this. For many, that's... That's a lot to overcome psychologically, yeah. you know, maybe nigh impossible. What, what is the antidote to these poisonous concepts? First of all, we need to understand that because God is within us, we are not worthless sinners. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the baseline, okay? We have sinned. We all have. We have karma. We've mm-hmm. made mistakes, not only in this life, but way going way back. <laughs> way, yeah. way. That doesn't make us by nature sinners. So that's the first thing to understand. The second thing we can understand is that because of these mistakes, we do have karma and we have human momentums we need to overcome. And we don't overcome those by feeling sorry for ourselves that we're no good. We are good. God within us is good. But God is expecting us to balance our karma and to work to overcome these human momentums that have been harmful to ourselves, to others, and to God. 
the soul, as much as we have God within us, remember our soul is not immortal mm-hmm. until we make our ascension. So you can see by this condemnation they have on people, they create a passivity. Well, I'm saved, so I don't have to do anything else. And that is a block to progress that we must make if we are going to become immortal and make our ascension. So yeah. I think we can see the plot there. Right. right. Uh, yeah, well, perhaps uh, coming up to this um, question of plots, you know, in the excerpt we heard from the lecture on enlightened self-interest by Mrs. Prophet, she spoke of the loss of innocence, the loss of the sense of wonder and of the immaculate as the greatest factor in human suffering and pain. You know, she went on to make the point that that's what's really been lost is the soul's attunement with God. And much of this innocence has been ripped from children and adults alike by attunement to the outer world, to the psychic, by media and entertainment, TV, rock music, etc. It would seem that the world is conspiring to defeat the light at every turn. You know, is there a conspiracy? Well, yes, there's a conspiracy of darkness to keep the children of God, the sons and daughters of God, from knowing the truth about themselves. Mm-hmm. And it does feel overwhelming. I, I think that that's a very point. And it's, you know, to strip the innocence from a child or a soul of light is the crime of the ages because the light is so precious. And they try to steal the light, whether it's through alcohol or drugs or the misuse of the, the sexual energies. They try to rip the light from the children of God by saying these things are the way to go and the true life and enjoy yourself, et cetera, et cetera. It's and okay. It's, it's a travesty. Yeah. And you know what? One of the things I loved about the Ascended Masters when the teachings, when I found them was, it's not saying, you know, you're a sinner. Don't do these things that they're wrong. They gave you an understanding of mm-hmm. why they are wrong and why they are a violation of our true being. And it's not, you know, you know you're a bad person if you drink alcohol or whatever. But look, understand what alcohol is. This is what it does to you spiritually. This is what it does to others. Yeah. It's common sense then to live differently. But you know, I you know I watched Monday Night Football last night, and I got to tell you, if you watch look at the ads on that, the, 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 the path to true happiness is driving a fast car and and beer. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and so or both. Yeah, and so if if you're bombarded by these things 24 hours a day, it's easy for the light bearers to lose their perspective. Yeah, and that is the plot. That's the plot. Yeah. What can we do to reach Turn beauty and wonder to our world. <laughs> and how can we save the children? I mean, the task seems so huge and overwhelming, as the, you the, just said. The most important thing is not to be overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Realize that God is able to turn this around. But we must start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do something. Start with your own spiritual path. Because when you do that, seek ye first the kingdom of God, you will have the armor, the teaching, and the light to call forth changes on this planet for the salvation of souls, for the protection of children from abuse or abortion mm-hmm. or anything else. Mm-hmm. So begin somewhere. If you can save one life, change one, one person's uh, life and what they experience through your decrees or the, through your actions, through your love, through the violet flame, isn't it worth it? Oh, gosh. And God will multiply this so many thousands of times. The masters have taught us when we use the science of the spoken word and devotion and love, we can affect a hundred million people by our prayers. It's wow. amazing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Yes, we yes. can do something. Don't believe the lie that it's hopeless. It's not hopeless, but we have to do something if this hope is going to change and turn these things around on the planet. Yeah. You know, um, on that subject, you know, as we're getting close to the end of the hour already, it's amazing oh to me. Uh, yeah, running through this program, in fact, all of the content that we present is an ever-present awareness of our innate divine potential. You know, specifically our I am presence in Christ's self. And I think we cannot stress enough that connecting with and embracing this high reality, our, high, our real self, is paramount to all that we do and strive to achieve on the spiritual path. This is really the center of the target, isn't it? Absolutely. Don't forget who you are or don't let 
remembrance or distraction, taking view the knowledge that God is within you. You have a I am presence. You have the presence of God. You have a holy Christ self. And that is the beginning of the turning around of your life and the life on this planet and everything's going on. The plot will be to keep you from being who you are. It doesn't mean you give up the world and you move off to the Himalayas. It means you take time each day to spend it with God, with your Holy Christ self, using the violet flame, decrees, whatever it is, and see how that changes the rest of your world. you got to begin somewhere, and this Mm -hmm. is key. Don't let this opportunity slip through your hands. It is too precious. Ask God to show you how important it is, and what he wants you to do. Amen to that. Amen. And on that note, I think we have to close this program. And once again, we've had an hour to kind of scream by. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> really but uh, thank you all for joining us today. And Sid, thank you again for being with us. I always appreciate your clarity and what you bring to the table. It's pretty amazing. And we want to thank all of you who are listening for joining us today. We hope you find the subjects we share illuminating and helpful as you pursue your spiritual path. And and we always welcome your comments, questions, and concerns. Send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. And please be sure to join us again. That's right. Remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out out of this world. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.